Good morning, party people. I have a really exciting episode that I'm going to be sharing with all of you today, and it is with the ever iconic Sarah Nicole Landry, the bird's papaya, if you don't know. If you don't know, now you know. And hey, hey. Yeah. Hi. Now they know. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so excited to good be morning. having you on this show launching, uh, you know, our next season. This episode is pre-recorded for the for the fans in the future which is great but I think it's you're just the perfect person to talk to about this because we have a lot of areas of body image we have the conversation about being a creator and then we have the conversation about mental Mm. health and what it's like being a woman in Mm. our industry and just like navigating the world in general and I mean there's so much other stuff that you know you are covering with motherhood and just with your body changing. So I want to get right in um, into all of this. And I guess just tell us what is your favorite thing that's happened since you've been doing social media and podcasting full time? Oh, my favorite thing that's happened since I've done it full time. That is a really good question. So I've actually been doing this for 14 years, but only been do almost 15. I've only really been doing it full time for the last four or five years. And I think what was really cool about it is being able to have done it for so long without it being like this big full time job. So I just Mm. chased it for the passion of it, for the fun of it, for, you know, wanting to be a part of this world in many ways and getting it wrong a lot of the time. And like, just in that realm of trying to fit in and trying to find your space in like this big, massive arena that is social media. And then in the last like four or five years has really just pushed me into having it be a business, but also still with that passion behind it, where I did this job for free for 10 years. So everything else just feels like, it just feels so exciting always. I feel like (laughs) I have so much gratitude towards it. And I also, and that's laced. I love the word and right now I have a friend who is a creator and she's like, we have to lean into the word and, Mm. and uh, the reality is like, I love it so much. And it's like really stressful and and it can be a lot. Sometimes it can be tough on your mental health, but the backbone of why I do it is just really fun. I have loved the moment. If I can like pinpoint a moment that I think everything sort of turned around for me was not just in the way I was creating content, but Instagram stories, Instagram stories, just like cracked open the world for me. It just went, because even if you were trying to be very vulnerable, unfiltered in Mm -hmm. your feed, you were still choosing an image and choosing a moment. And stories just sort of blew that wide open to just this different realm of documentation that has always just, I don't know, maybe for me been a little bit of second nature. And I love it. I love stories. I love just being able to have this opportunity to be a part of somebody's world that we never really had before. Like the other day I was on, I don't know what it was, but there was like a teen, like, look at like, even take like your teen icons and like they're on social media and like doing stories and you get to like follow along. Do you know what we would have done for that back (laughs) in the day? We used to have like fan clubs and you had to like pay to be a part of them. And like, you got like something in the mail once a month or you got to like, look on, they uploaded something new on their website. We live in the most exciting time. It's very, very cool. I love being a part of it. I try and like stick with how cool it all is and just let that be the why and like how connected we are Mm -hmm. with each other now Mm -hmm. from worlds away. I mean, you and I like 
know each other, but we don't know. We've never met. Like, yeah. how cool is that? I don't it's know. So I just, cool. there's something about, something about it. It's really neat. Especially when you live in a world where when you don't see yourself in your bubble of people around you, you'll find that person online. Like mm-hmm. you really will. You'll find your people. And yeah. I think that's so special. It's so special. And that was the longest answer to no, this. No, no, no. It was amazing. Question. It was amazing because it's so applicable. Like yesterday I I had a brunch and I had a bunch of people that I've known like one table of like 15 people was literally people I've met post COVID in New York through social media and the creator economy. Like literally people Mm. that had no connection Mm. to me, people that DM'd me, people I met at an influencer event or a networking event where people through just like network effects of like, oh my God, this person's amazing. You should be friends with them. And then like, how crazy is that, that those are genuine people that show up for you? Like versus like I had a handful of people that actually knew me like, and have known me that sh- they mm-hmm. also showed up, but it was only a handful compared to the other newer people. Um, I, I don't know. I, just, I thought it was, I thought it was really fascinating. And also I think something interesting is, so I'm 24 right now. So I only know yeah. social media as a way to communicate and, and to talk with my friends and yeah. to meet people, right? Like, I don't know what really what you're yeah. talking about with like, oh, like, yeah, like we didn't, we didn't know life oh, really without yeah. it. And so we didn't I, have anything. Yeah. I think that generational difference is is really interesting. And I mean, the other thing that you are the one of the biggest and best advocates for on the internet, in my humble opinion, would be body image and talking about eating. Um, mm. And I, I loved your stories. Yeah. And also on the note of stories, before we get into that, your stories do send me like crying laughing. And I'm pretty sure I DM you that every time yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm literally crying <laughs> because they're so funny and personal. And I guess I think Oh my God. I love it. Like I've also been doing social media for the past like four or five years, but with that, I think because it was always like intuitive to me as a a Gen Zer just communicating with it, sometimes there was more pressure for stories to like do it a certain way and to like make it perfect. So I think that's interesting that you're kind of like taking that power back, making it more casual. I'm just scrappy about it. I love it. Yeah, I know. And sometimes I'll be, and everyone's so different. Like I I was with a creator once who like literally films her day and then she edits it it down and then shares these stories. And when I'm watching them, I'm like, oh, they're so like beautiful beautiful and aesthetic and like I enjoy that and mine are just like scrappy and going as we go and like truly like minute to minute but what is really cool about all of it is like you can kind of it is a little bit of like pick your own adventure when it comes to social media it's sort of just doing what works for you and showing up but I do love that I can make people laugh because I feel like (laughs) a lot of my posts are sort of usually like pretty in depth they're pretty like to the they're like my journal so they're really just like my deep thoughts so I always say that like social media for me I'll make you either laugh or cry and there's not a lot in between I love it. <laughs> so I when I can make people it. laugh that's my favorite yeah yeah and then on the note of the you know the cry section of things you know sometimes I think a lot of the posts you make are so they're so emotional right like they're they're so beautiful yeah you, you make them in a way that um, you know, it it gently talks about issues that we deal with as women, and it can be applicable mm-hmm. to any woman, right? Like, I'm not a mom, I'm I'm mm-hmm. young, but still, you I, mm-hmm. I came across your mm-hmm. content and was like, literally, 
goals, like your literally goals. Like I'm obsessed with just the way that you tackle motherhood and you're so, uh, you know, firm on your stance. And I mean, so we could talk about, I guess, all of, all of that and like what really, what inspires you to make the posts and curate them the way that you do? Um, like I know you make them to help people feel more comfortable, but how do you, you know, narrow it down yourself as, you know, a creator, as a creative to just take the photos, edit the graphics, you know, put it through the app and then mm. put the text over it. Like what is your creative process there? That's what I'm interested in knowing about. Yeah. So I'll take you back a little bit because yeah. when I actually hit, I would guess IG fame, when I first got a following, yeah. it was because I was a weight loss page. And so I was hitting rock bottom. I was coming face to face with the fact that I had disordered eating and if not in a full blown, I I think we can speculate and assume that I had a full blown eating disorder, Yeah. um, but I was never diagnosed. So I won't use that label. And I was also going through a divorce Mm -hmm. that I was married for 11 years. I got married at 19, had three kids by 25. Mm -hmm. Being a weight loss page sort of was like, I just did these before and afters. Mm -hmm. I just shared my workouts. I just shared meals. I shared a little bit about the kids. It was a lot of me genuinely just trying to fit into the space and world and being so rewarded for how I looked and how I was, you know, improving myself and improving my health. So hitting rock bottom at this quote unquote, what was supposed to be my high was a huge learning lesson. And at the same time, I'm in therapy for the first time in my life. And my therapist is really looking at me and saying, you're a sponge, you're a sponge to what everybody else wants for you, what everybody else has said, their opinions, everything. You need to figure out who you are. You need to figure out who you are and what your opinions are. And I mean, what a wake up call, because there's no such thing as original thought. We really are a collective of everything we've ever heard and learned through our lifetime. And I recognize that But in that moment, I was like, I really don't know what my opinions are on things. I know what other people's opinions are on things, and I sort of adopt them. And so I was put into this challenge of really listening to my thoughts and writing them down. And so Mm. uh, at the time, Instagram, we're going back like uh, five, six years ago, maybe. And Instagram was a lot of like these really perfect images and these really like simple captions, like one line captions. <laughs> Typically you would just like Google a really yeah. inspirational quote and you would put that as your caption. It was very image forward. And so as I was going through this like life process of things and coming to grips with like, okay, I've lost a hundred pounds. I still don't like my body. I'm, I've, you know, had the cookie cutter life and it didn't make me happy. And I'm really struggling. I have to figure out who the hell I am. I started just writing things down and I wasn't writing them physically in a journal. I was writing them in notes of my phone. And I don't know what bravery came over me that decided that these were going to be the lead in my social media. It was no longer going, it was no longer having a good picture and partnering it with some words. It was having words and partnering it with a picture. Mm. So when you're authoring things, you can find those images and whether they're images you've already taken or whether they're images that you take, I could start to sort of splice the emotion of what I was writing with an image to partner with it. And it sort of was like leaving your heart on the floor and like asking people to come in and and either walk around it or walk on it and to be witness to your own thoughts and how many people had the same ones was mind blowing for me. And then as that sort of progressed, 
I uh, ended up, I remember I was asked by an underwear company, Nick's in Canada um, to model for them. And I initially declined because I didn't want to lose that control fully yet. I was really still in my head about what my body looked like and the reality of my stretch marks and the fact that I had only still shown that curated version of me when it came to that. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, they convinced me and I showed up. And when those images came out, that was the first time in my life that I had ever known that other people had stomachs like mine, that other people had stretch marks like mine. I understand that right now in the timestamp of right now, people are like, oh yeah, stretch marks are normal. I see them in my newsfeed every day. Go back half a decade and I'd never seen them before in my life. I had never seen anybody else in my life with them. So when this photo of me was uploaded, and it's and it was on somebody else's page and i got to read the reactions of so many others saying oh my god i've never seen another stomach like mine it was a massive light bulb moment for me that there was a lot of things that we weren't sharing we're not talking totally. about that are just very normal real experiences and so all of this stuff sort of happening all at once it really sort of showed me a big part of my purpose which is that first of all, showing my stretch marks in that way was like, seemed like the most terrifying thing that I could possibly do. And it was the most freeing thing that ever happened to me. And now when I share them, it's just like second nature. It doesn't feel, it's like my signature movement now. Like I'm all about, I want to normalize the hell out of them. I I think they're cool. I think they're awesome. I think they're gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And I also know that for eight years I suffered deeply from uh, body image issues because of them. And so I have a lot of empathy for those who are really struggling with accepting, you know, new scars. And I also, I enjoy celebrating the hell out of them and really acknowledging how cool they are. But in terms of like that creative side of me, that's sort of what happens now is I just still journal. I still write things down and, and I really pay attention to my thoughts. I think a lot of people get caught up in how do I create content? And and I do too. Uh, like, what am I going to say next? What is that thing? I always think about musical artists and like once they have a number one hit, Mm -hmm. they don't just get to like go and exist in their worlds. They have to just write another one. Yeah. And so there is that pressure because social media is like literally a 24 hour app. It's you're constantly having to find more ways, but also we're constantly having thoughts. We're constantly dealing with little pockets of shame or pockets of joy um, or like little moments that could truly be acknowledged that we just don't feel are big enough. We don't feel are worthy enough. We don't think are meaningful enough. And, and truly all I did was just start to write down the things that I was thinking. And I wrote them in a way that I, ref- I talked about them from my own perspective so that if somebody related, they could maybe mirror themselves, but I was never directly talking at anybody. I don't want to create that way because if I say, you just need to wear the bikini and you just need to do that. People might feel like, oh gosh, there's just another thing that I'm failing at. It's another thing that I'm not achieving in this world. And so I really started to write from the way of, it was my experience. And if you mirror yourself in it, amazing. And if you don't, that's okay too, right? So it's it's been a lot of really just, and again, that only came from me paying attention to how I felt on social media and how I felt when people were talking at me, then talking to their own story and me getting to sort of either listen or reflect or mirror myself in them. And I really would just wanted to create that space for people. And that's continuing to what I try and do. And sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's like greatly confident and other times it's like in the weakest moments of my life. Right. And I try mm-hmm. and show up for both of those. Yeah. And so 
you have such a massive audience, right? You've accumulated this over all of the years. It's absolutely incredible. You've done a lot of, you know, different things. I I have two. I'm trying to figure out which we should talk about first because one is I want to talk about how you've gone from kind of like, you know, blogger to now podcast host, modeling in in the Knicks campaigns. Um, you know, you've done other modeling for publications and how how have you I wanna know about yeah. how you have kind of sat down and built out your business as a creator. So you went from like influencer mm. blogger to entrepreneur, right? So what does that look like? Yeah, that's what we're gonna go with first. And then I'll I'll ask the other question after. Amazing. Okay. So, uh, you know, I was really hesitant on the podcast side, to be honest with you. I was a guest on a few podcasts and it started to be asked of me, like, would you ever have your own? Uh But I kept seeing other people come out with podcasts and I got that really strong imposter syndrome of Mm -hmm. everybody else already has a podcast. Like I don't, every single time I saw a new one launch, I delay mine by another week. I was so terrified of Mm -hmm. just like entering my voice into that space. And uh, the day the day we launched, I remember somebody sent me a screenshot and they're like, oh my God, look at this. And I was like, that must be a mistake. And I went and I looked at my podcast page and like, or like on Apple Podcasts and was like looking mm-hmm. at the charts and I was ranked above Oprah. I was number That's one. Wild. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Here I was sitting on whether or not I should have a podcast, delayed it by seven, eight months even, had been sitting on four episodes, released them, and it hit number one the very first day. That's amazing. And it was just a big learning lesson on like how you kind of hold yourself back, right? So it's been Mm -hmm. four years podcasting now. I love it because it's like this different space where it's not about, we're really in a reactive time where people really will look at something and they'll react positively or negatively doesn't even matter but to sit and have a conversation with somebody sometimes I feel like if nobody even listened to my podcast anymore I love that I get like this you would still do time with somebody another human being with our phones down and we're having a conversation and we're connecting I've learned so much through podcasting it's really driven me but I will tell you sort of the business side of it so I have um there's myself and then I have a team of three people so I have one person who's my operations manager she kind of helps me run the financial side of things and she runs all our like bookings. I have a um, assistant. She's actually yes. my former nanny. So she was Lemmy's nanny and oh she was God. that person that I'm like, if you can be around me through this realm <laughs> of life, I, I'm really hard. I have a hard time delegating things. Oh, so I was amazing. like, if I can offload things like this, then I feel like this is a great thing for us to progress into. So mm-hmm, she ended up mm-hmm. coming on as my um executive assistant. And then I have another employee, Denai, who runs sort of editorial. So she's sort of overseeing a lot of um, what we're sort of developing back into the blog, because Mm -hmm. I really, one thing I think was said to me maybe two years ago that really stuck is that all of our space that we have online is rented. My Instagram is not mine. Like I own, I have the handle, but it's not mine. My TikTok could get deleted any moment. What do you have that's your own? Right. And so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the blog was really like, I need to have something that's my own. That's my space. So we worked really hard on sort of building that out the last couple of years. So on Mondays are my podcast day. This is a actually Sasha Exeter. She's a Canadian, uh, creator. And she gave me this advice where her days are actually sort of like labeled in a way where she sort of banks them out that way. So Mondays are my podcast day. 
Tuesday is my office day. That's where we have our team meetings. We get together. Wednesday is a content day. So usually any campaigns we have to shoot because most of my content I self shoot, but campaigns we usually, you know, we shoot like professionally. Right. right, right. And Thursdays is sort of like an agile day. It's one or the other. It's either Mm -hmm. calls or Mm -hmm. it's, um, or it's creating day. And then Fridays I actually take off with my kids because my little one is still really little and I was a stay-at-home for 10 mom for 10 years and I felt like I was trying to run away from that a little bit and being like okay I'm just gonna work all the time and then I really sort of like had this pullback of you know what I can work a four-day week and then I want three days with my kids and so I don't work on weekends unless it's like absolutely necessary I really have kept that boundary and it's really given me a lot of when you're with your family, it sort of like gives you your why, you know what I mean? Like when you're with your people and you work a, you know, 12, 13 hour days sometimes, and you get to spend time with them and you're like, no, this is why I do this. And this is like such a beautiful thing to be able to show them and showcase to them while also showing them how valuable they are. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's sort of, that's sort of the gist of what we do. TikTok, I don't really plan around. Instagram, I don't really plan around except for content that is Mm -hmm. um, designated to be uploaded like an ad. I also um, believe that for me, what I've done and I, have really found effective over the years is that I treat my Instagram page like a magazine, which means that if you are reading Vogue and Mm -hmm. you are suddenly four pages of perfume ads back to back, you're going to be like, no, I think I'll take a little break or like, where's all the, I didn't buy Vogue to, you know, I didn't subscribe to Vogue to just look at Mm -hmm. perfume ads, right? Like, yes, they're in there. I see them. They're pausing me for a second, but I'm actually here for what's in it. I want to read the articles. I want to see what's good. So I realized that if I took that same approach to social media, that would really help me understand the balance between content and ads. Yeah. So with that, knowing the pressure to create and wanting to put out good quality content, I sort of aligned myself to doing four in-feed ads per month and then a few stories as well. But essentially putting myself in the position of it being a magazine where yes, you're going to see ads maybe once Mm -hmm. a week, every Mm -hmm. few pages type thing, but you'll stick around because the content is good and you're not feeling like I've stuck four perfume ads together and you're feeling like lost within the mix of it all. That has allowed us to, and just sort of from the business side, I'm going to talk shop for a second. Yeah because we only really do four in feed per month, it's really allowed us to, instead of having to take multiple jobs at a lower rate, we sort of sell the spots at a mm-hmm. higher rate so that I'm the brands know there's only four spots a month. Yeah. It's not like she's going to put an ad like before that. us and an ad after us. They really sort of get that spot to shine as well. And it has sort of programmed a lot of the partners that we have to know that they've got to book their spots ahead of time if they want in on a certain quarter or they have a certain sale coming up. So so business-wise, it's paid off so well. And it's also paid off in the sense that I don't feel like anybody feels like they're being oversaturated. Also to say, if you follow a creator that has like a ton of ads and that's how they're making a living right now, Mm -hmm. I know what it was like in the beginning, really having to do a lot of that to get your feet on the ground. But you stick around for the good stuff. And if they're a great creator, the ads are going to be great too. And it's a, it's a really special business in that way. And so I'm always inspired by people, even within their ad work. I think it's awesome. But that's sort of how I've run it so that I can sort of keep my head above water with a lot of this. 
is knowing that I have this one in feed and then there's going to be my podcast ads. Of course we have Mm -hmm. TikTok every once in a while, sometimes it'll, and then sometimes some stories as well, which are a little bit easier. I really uh, valued the way that you explained your business as a a magazine because with with the advertisements every couple of weeks or once a week or for a month, I just think that's really important to think about. And then also just diversifying um, and knowing that your space online is rented and that you don't own it and everything that you do mm-hmm. should be external. What, what I like to think about is like, what is a manifestation of your your hard work and labor online in the real world. So for me, that's doing speaking engagements and that's like mm-hmm. now becoming an author, right? So I want to always do things that are external from the technology yes. Uh, yes. that brings communities together in person. And I think that's a, a key thing a lot of creators are missing today because they're just chasing the online clout and it's like validating yeah. their their need and their ego, I guess, for for fame and success. So another thing I wanted mm-hmm. to chat with you briefly about is kind of like mental health and balancing that mm-hmm. as a creator. Uh, mm-hmm. You're you're not only a creator. Again, you're you're a mom of amazing yeah. amazing kids, and I love seeing your journey as a mom. But and and you're so open about it online. But I guess the the big question here is how do you balance your mental health and what do you do to really uh, decompress, I guess, from the technology uh, when you're mm. so invested in it? Because like you said, it is 24 hours. It's always there. We're always keyed in. There's always a trend or another thing that we, yeah. I guess, are doing or are, are, are pressured to fit a certain mold. I mean, I know people like, you and I, we don't really care about j- jumping on a trend or like looking a certain way in our content. Like we yeah. have our own specific vertical, but and 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 we're we're doing it in ways that I think are meant to help people, not for the online clout, obviously. So yeah, I'm just curious how yeah. you manage your mental health with all of that. Yeah. Before I share that, I want to just sort of touch on what you were just saying too, in terms of like just diversifying beyond your social media platform. A lot of people are really willing to take a lot of social media courses or have advice there and follow those pages. If I can give one little tidbit of advice is go take some speaking courses. Public speaking before the pandemic became one third of my income stream and it hasn't recovered from the pandemic yet, but it really taught me a ton. Get yourself on podcasts, really learn how to speak and share your story, Mm. how to kind of fine tune that. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a big one. The other one is really take some time to go and take some courses in EDI. Build with Bloom is a online company who does manages like HR, but they also do um, like DEI, EDI courses for creators to sort of help you navigate and understand a lot of the different things online. Something as simple as how saying, hey guys, and your stories might be problematic. Something I never would have thought of, Mm -hmm. something I never would have considered. And you learn a lot that can really strengthen your career and your humanity as you sort of walk through this space. So those are the two things I would really recommend. In terms of your mental health, yes, there is something about working a job that every day you open your phone and you're like, did, what did somebody say about me last night? And the thing is like, people are afraid of cancel culture, but even more than that, it's the, your character can get torn down, misconstrued, spoken about at any given moment. So there's this anxiety that sort of lives within you that 
your business is your person and the line between it is very thin and your skin has to somehow be really thick, but you want to stay soft in this world. So Mm -hmm. when I was going through all of this stuff and my therapist had diagnosed me with PTSD and I, uh, I suffered a bit from anxiety over the years and yeah, I've definitely struggled with like disordered eating and like mental health around that. And then putting yourself online. I mean, it sounds like a recipe for disaster, right? but I think what everyone should remember is that people who struggle with mental health have every right to have very full, beautiful jobs and careers. I remember one day sharing about struggling deeply with my, um, I had, I got diagnosed for the first time with depression when I was Mm -hmm. pregnant. So Mm -hmm. I got prenatal depression. Everybody hears about postpartum depression. I never even knew it existed. Wow. And so I finally shared about having prenatal depression and it was the next day I shared like just a regular life post and someone was like, oh, this is the girl who yesterday was saying she's depressed and now you're just fine. Like mental health doesn't own all of you. It's a pillar of part of you. It's not your whole person. And we deserve to have jobs. We deserve to have careers. We deserve to be honest about mental health. We deserve to advocate for it. And so with that, I've given myself a lot of grace. Like there are, I just got, Mm, so I've had a great couple years, but the last few months have been rough again. And turns out last week I got diagnosed with PMDD, which is like a period mental health disorder. Wow. So I sort of do okay And then all of a sudden, one week of the month, I'm very, very anxious, very depressed. I want to quit my job. I want to let go of everything. I want to walk away and live on an island. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to parent. I don't want to be a wife. I'll argue about like the weirdest things. I'm not argumentative at all. So it's just like we're very big alarm bells to something being Mm -hmm. up. And it was because somebody else shared on social media about PMDD that I was able Mm -hmm. to start speculating that and then go and seek uh, diagnosis, which is hopefully going to change my life for the better. I am so glad that we live in a time where people who are struggling don't have to feel alone or that people who are struggling get to have these conversations Mm -hmm. and that word and that we love again, we're going to go ahead and we're also going to live big, beautiful lives. You can have mental illness and you can have a big, beautiful Mm -hmm. life and an amazing career you don't have to talk mm, about it. You can mm-hmm. if you want, but it is not going to be our whole person. It never will be. We won't give it that power, but it is a part of our person and it deserves to be acknowledged when we need it to. And I think for me, uh, one of the big, 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 big things that's come out of the last few months is that sleep is now a very big priority for me because yeah. my uh, when we measure my cortisol levels, my cortisol actually spikes in the middle of the night. So even though I have like a, let's say I have a stressful day, but I'm like, oh, I'm managing, I'm figuring it out. My body mm-hmm. spikes it in the middle of the night. So my body wakes up and mm-hmm. I'm like heart racing, everything's wrong and I'm not getting sleep. So, yeah. you know, I think it's really fascinating that if you were to Google like healthy lifestyle or wellness stuff, it's going to focus on food and it's Mm going to focus on fitness. Yeah. The reality is we need to also focus on sleep. We need to focus on what it is to, I mean, we would never survive a day with our phone at 1% yet we do that for ourselves. So sleep has been a really big priority for me and I'm really, really working towards it, tracking it, paying attention. I'm almost like I've almost gamified my sleep. Like I'm just like eight and a half hours. Let's see if I can get eight hours and 40 minutes. Like I'm just obsessed with how much sleep I can achieve by just taking care of myself and having some more goals around that. 
And it's made a huge difference in my mental health. I will say that. Yeah. When I, I, I love that you are saying that about sleep. When I was recovering from my endometriosis surgery, I like completely changed my lifestyle mm. and was like, I am going to be going to sleep at eight o'clock or 8.30 at the latest, and I'm winding down mm -hmm. from 6 to 8. Mm -hmm. And then in the mornings, I'm going to just wake up at like 6. I'm going to do my my cold shower and like really regulate the way that I, I guess, like navigate my life and my sleep. And I was feeling better than I had ever yeah. felt before. Um, and I did fall off of that. Yeah. I think it was a habit for a month and a half. And then I just kind of got busy and I traveled and it got messed up, but it really mm -hmm. did, mm -hmm. really did change a lot for me. I also am really curious about, uh, you know, again, you have such a large audience, right? How do you kind of, mm -hmm. do you, do you think about that on the daily? Does it ever stress you out of like, I don't know if I'm posting the right thing or is this going to, you know, backfire? Like, do you ever have those kind of intrusive, more, uh, anxious thoughts. I guess. I don't know because even though I'm I'm like way way smaller than you, and somehow I I literally am like ah I'm three weeks behind on posting. Are people going to judge me? Am I doing the right thing? Is posting a vlog about my time in Mexico, you know, conducive to the chronic illness community? And then I'm like, yes, it is because it's like I show it's possible and it can inspire people. So then I don't mm -hmm, know. Sometimes mm -hmm. I'm just like super spirally and in my head of like is this the right thing to be posting? And I'm just curious about one, do you get those thoughts? And two, how do you kind of like combat that? And I know you mentioned you're in, in therapy. I also am in therapy. I love therapy. Therapy is like one of my favorite tools that I think mm -hmm. uh, is really beneficial uh, as well. And also on the note of the cortisol thing, I think I saw a video. Sorry to jump back to that. I just thought of this now. I no, saw a video yeah. a couple nights ago and I think it has to do with the time that you're on your phone um, with the the mm -hmm. amounts of things that you're engaging with. So the later you do that, the more you're thinking about it while you're trying to sleep instead of rest, which is why a, a yeah. wind down routine is like so, so important. Um, but I'm sure also so that's really challenging with, with kids too, which we can totally yeah. also dive into. I mean, I definitely, uh, yeah, the reality is, yes, you think about your social page a lot. You think about what you're putting out there a lot. And I think we should, I think we should mm -hmm. care. And I think to care is to worry. And that's just the real, I know that I have the reference of like having kids, but like, that's the reality of like having something you love, having a, somebody you love is like, you do care. And I also think that it's important for, I felt in the last few years, there's been such a reactive space where people are mm -hmm. really in a time. I saw, I saw a friend of mine this morning, she was just sharing about her um, very simplistic approach to like must-haves for a baby. And people were like, that's not what I would mm -hmm. do. Da, 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 da. And she was like, why are we in a time where everybody has to agree with everything? Like, it's very bizarre that mm -hmm. we have that. Mm -hmm. However, it's really, you know, back when I think about who I was when I was extremely dieting is mm -hmm. I would pick myself apart. I would, you know, sort of constantly restrict what I was eating, how I was being, all of that stuff. And mm -hmm. now I look at it in the sense of like my 
social media personality at times mm. I feel like I've restricted her a little bit I look back wow. on who I was a few years ago and I was like you weren't thinking so much here you were having mm-hmm. a lot more fun and you weren't overthinking it because now we live in the cycle of you don't really have to think for yourself you have to think about what other people might say about what you think and so we live in like this double cycle of how we yes, push out things yeah. and so I'm really trying to just allow myself to, and and the thing is, I'm not talking about big, big errors. I'm talking about little tiny ones, like little tiny things that you might say or do that people are not like, you're, we're just not perfect. Right. Or people might just simply disagree with something. I mean, it just is the world we live in and it's a very reactive one for sure. But I think for me, it's been really important to sort of acknowledge that it makes me anxious and acknowledge mm-hmm. that it's, I, I still worry a lot about what people think. I'm definitely a people pleaser. And if it wasn't for me stepping out and taking that risk, I one wouldn't have had the opportunity to be wrong sometimes right. and learn from it or be figure out and like showing up for a part of myself that really, you know, 12 year old me could have really used, you know? So I just, And when I think about the people that I follow online and adore the most, they're the people who are just so unapologetic. They're just so unapologetic. They know that people are going to disagree with them. They know. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, we're not talking about disagreeing on like big worldly topics. We're talking about like Mm -hmm. whether or not she got Botox or has, you know, um, my one friend, she got a breast lift and implants. And like, I'm somebody from like a body confidence space who's like not doing that thing, but watching her own her choices for her body so inspiring just like watching her just like get assaulted by insults for her choices around that and her just like riding that wave of like yeah guys it's my body this is what I'm gonna do and just really Mm -hmm. seeing somebody um yeah really own themselves and I think that's hard to do in this day and age and I think it's also hard when one people want you to be 100% authentic about everything at all times but they'll also scrutinize you for everything you do So it's a, it's a very difficult line. You have to own your influence. You have to own the responsibilities you have in these spaces. And you also want to stay open to it. It's a very, very Mm -hmm. delicate line. Again, I think it comes down to really paying attention to what you think and really forming those opinions for yourself and putting out that best version of you that you can. And I think it's the same as like when we say just wear the bikini. No, just wear what you need to to show up that day. If it's the bikini, awesome. I'm so happy for you. If it's like totally sweatpants and sweatshirts, I'm so glad you're here on the beach. I feel the same way about social media. And this is why like, I don't judge when people are a very filtered version, maybe like Mm -hmm. even how they speak or actually using filters because they showed up. And I know that's a really hard thing to do these days. And I know that I showed up a very, very filtered version of myself, both Mm -hmm. aesthetically and in who I was for a long time. And then I came through that. And I think that being supportive of people costs nothing. (laughs) It's it's easy to, it's easy to just, you know, be angry, but it's, sometimes hard to love on like I just I just want to be the person that just like cheers people on and supports them even if I disagree even if I would make a different decision for myself and not add more voices into what women are doing wrong because the reality is we live in a patriarchal society to which men are just sitting at the top minding their own business and they have enough messaging out there that women are just attacking each other with they're not even doing the work anymore we're doing it to each other they're we're literally perpetuating 
so much standards against each other and we're blaming the patriarchy, but we're the ones recycling it and pushing it against each other over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult. It's, uh, it's not easy, but it's something to recognize. And it's also something for me to acknowledge is not the kind of person I want to be and I want to be better and I want to be less judgmental and more of a support to other women. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to wrap up because I don't want to take too much more of your time today and ask you just sure. um, two more final questions. Uh, one would be, what are you most looking forward to this year? Or are you launching mm-hmm. any fun, exciting projects that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah. So I am going back to well, I'm not going back to one place. I'm doing the Nick Swim campaign again this year, which is exciting. Oh this is my Wait, I do it. fourth year doing it. We do an open casting call oh, so and that cool. person was like, just, it, it's, they, I think there was like 20,000 people applied. And so there's a group of us going down to Mexico and we're doing a live swim shoot, which means we so really, fun. I think what I say we, but it's Nick's, um, I used to work there, so I always like to say we, but we um, basically are shooting in real time. So the photos are uploaded to the website as the swim stuff launches in real time. It's so amazing. It It really just creates a system where people are seeing and experiencing the photo shoot and the imagery almost Mm -hmm. like in cadence to each other. It's really, really fun. So that's what's happening very soon. And uh, I have some things coming out with Nix this year. I'm a part of a really cool partnership with Reitman's this year as well. And we are relaunching the squirrel suit from Smash and Tess, which is like this romper that I have been... and I couldn't sell anybody on it, but I was like, listen, it's the greatest idea. And yeah. we ended up launching it in, I want to say 2020 or 2021. It sold out in an hour. We relaunched it again last year and like made it a 2.0 version. It sold out again. And now we're coming out with a 3.0 version fairly soon. And other than that, there's just like always something new. Most of the stuff that you see, and I think it's a good note for a lot of people to learn is like when you see a collab come out, they're often like years in the work and you're just like finally seeing that project. So I'm always working on, I have collabs that I'm working on for 2024. You're going to see some launch this year. It's always a lot of my heart into it. And we have a lot of fun doing that as a part of Mm -hmm. our business is really being directly involved with some of the brands and developing really cool things to launch. So I'm excited for all of that. And as always, it's just like a day-to-day it's a day-to-day journal. It's a day-to-day journey. Everything that's happening on my page is like happening in real time, which I, I love. And I love being that way. And uh, I'm excited to see what's next. Cause I really am not like a goals person. I know that might be like shocking for a lot of people, but okay. I have deadlines because I have to have deadlines. I love yeah. flying by the seat of my pants. It has been the way I've done it for the entire I time. Love I love being surprised by it. I love just like having these moments of like, wow, look how cool all of this is. And I never saw it coming. So my goals are very, um, very tiny. And they're just more about like the small little intentional things I can do to make sure that we are uh, Mm -hmm. being successful. And then I have one like very secret thing that I'm not going to spoil yet, but I have a very, very big, completely veered away from anything I've ever done. I've invested almost every dollar I've ever made into this one thing. And we're going to announce it this summer. So that is so exciting. And we will keep an eye out. I'll make sure to link all your social pages and everything so people can find that. That's so exciting. And it also, I will say on a personal note, is so good to hear that 
there's other people out there, other women out there who fly by the seat of their pants and just kind of like run with it and follow the passion because I feel like we're so often told as women, like, no, like you have to do it a certain way. You have to get a job. You have to do it in a certain order so that, uh, you know, you can, you can be successful or like have a career, but you have shown and inspired me to know that like, you've been on this like non-linear journey and you've developed different projects and different things. And it takes time also. Right. And you have other things going on that aren't just career. Like right now I'm very like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm probably in your eyes still like a kid, like a, just like kind of <laughs> doing different. Are you closer in age things. to my children? Yes. <laughs> like I have a 17 year old. Like that's, yeah. that's the reality of this. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I love that. And, and I, I want to just say to yeah. that point, sorry, um, we like, there's no right way to do things. Like we always think that there's the right way mm. to do things or to find success online or do anything in life or in our careers, or even being a woman, being a mother, all of it. We think there's like the right way. And the reality is there's many. So you're just going to find your right yeah. way. And you don't really have to pay attention mm. to what she's doing or what they're doing. That seems the most right because you know, you best, you know, what's going to work best. And I think that we need to lean into that idea more and it just introduces less shame and less guilt around not doing enough when we're just doing the right way for us. Oh, that was so beautiful and eloquently said. I'm not even going to say anything after that. Um, you're just amazing. And then my last, <laughs> my last question is what is your favorite quote or mantra that maybe you live by or that you, you know, think about mm. on the daily or uh, that embodies mm-hmm. kind of like who you are in your work? My favorite quote, and I have no idea who said it, but it's sort of a a big definition on how I've sort of worked through uh, my shame and some of the things that I've struggled with and bringing them to the forefront. And that's once a secret is told, it loses its power. And I think a lot of us are carrying around these little secrets of things that we're ashamed about, whether it's for me, it was like my stretch marks on my stomach was so ashamed of them that it really changed who I was. It distracted so much of my life that, you know, how can I advocate for myself in a boardroom if I don't think I'm worthy in the bedroom, right? Like, how can you, mm-hmm. once a secret is told, it loses its power. The second wow. I rec- I just allowed myself to be seen, I, it really changed everything. It, it's, I think the reason our bodies are so focused on is because when women are distracted, they're not doing their best work. And so I recognize that these stretch marks, as much as it's like my favorite thing to show now, when I was 25 was probably the worst thing that I felt was a part of me. I was so ashamed of them. And it really did change the way I lived my life that carrying that amount of shame with me all the time. So yeah, once a secret is told, it loses its power. And for me, that was just who I was and what my body was like and my true personality. And truly, when I let that part of me shine online, all the parts of me that I thought were weird. And I mean, I'm the I'm the kid whose teacher told my parents that I would never amount to anything. So my whole, I'm not going to say I'm like, I'm still like a white girl uh, who grew up in like a middle-class family. I'm not going to say I like grew up with hardship, but I did grow up with listening and hearing a lot of people sort of um, Mm. just make it about how I was weird or I was just, you know, 
all of these different things. It was like just labeled around my body my whole life. And now I'm like, you know what? These are my powers now. Like my per- being weird is awesome. And having a yeah. body that's different is cool. Like it's yeah. not, it is not all the things I made it to be that were just made to make me feel small and be small. Yeah. And so once a secret is told, it loses its power. That's just it. Wow. I love that. And also back to the stretch marks conversation that you mentioned earlier about how like years ago, people didn't really realize other people had them and things like that. Like I literally remember in high school, not wearing shorts that I mean, one, it was like New York City dress code, like you literally weren't like really allowed in public school to wear. I mean, in I think in any school, probably you're not like allowed to wear like short shorts, but um, there were my stretch marks going yeah, yeah, like yeah. the middle of my thighs. So even if I wore uh, shorts yeah. that were like a couple inches above my knee, like you could still see them. And so that made me feel like yeah. insecure. Like I hated them. I hated going to the beach. Like I would always wear like different pants and stuff. And that that took me all the way through. I mean, even the past couple of years, I've cared a little bit less, especially with SI and not, you know, having them retouch anything mm-hmm, out and, and things mm-hmm. like that. But, but mm-hmm. even men that I talk to don't realize that like all women have stretch marks. Like someone said to me like, Oh, I thought that like, that's only, that's only when women get pregnant and then they get them. And I was like, no, like literally that is like something a lot of women do. Yeah, me too. And I'm just like, this is so interesting. And then we, and then we make them that and then we talk about stretch marks in a way that they're only beautiful if they like brought, if they carried life. And the reality yeah. is it's carried your life the whole time. Yes. It's carried your life. Ugh. It's just as valid. It's just as meaningful. That. And there's this, um, this saying that our, this thing that I actually said, it's my own quote. So I'm going to toot my own horn for a second. Oh yeah. And that's that the definition of stretching is to be made capable of growth without tearing or stretch or breaking. It's, is to stretch. So we are capable of growth without tearing or breaking. That is a stretch mark. When you recognize and acknowledge that that's what it is, my God, like stretch mark me up, watch me not break. It's the coolest. And also to your point about them being on your legs, it was like maybe four years ago, one of my kids took a picture of me and I realized that I have stretch marks all up the backs of my knees. And my whole life, I had no idea. So here I was so ashamed of the ones that I knew about. And I had ones mm-hmm. on the back of my legs that I didn't even know about. Yeah. Nobody's ever said anything about. Wow. And I was like, wow, we really give these things so much power. And they're just matter of fact. That being said, if you struggle with a if you struggle with the change in your body and like seeing something like a stretch mark and you're like in that grief zone. So, so, so fair. I think grief is a really important processing tool Mm -hmm. for us to be able to love the bodies that we're becoming and we're evolving into and constantly changing with. So I am a huge fan of allowing yourself to feel the feels so that you Uh can have your moment of processing and then move forward. Oh my God. I literally love that. And I love you. You're like incredible. Um, so yeah, that, that was amazing. I'm excited to have you on my podcast soon. (sighs) Yeah, I'm excited as well. And I'm going to figure out this Wi-Fi situation so this does not happen again. That was so (laughs) annoying. But uh, party people, make sure that you go and follow Sarah. You can find her at the Birds Papaya everywhere, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And then just just Google her. Yeah, it's everywhere. And read her story and go to her website and buy her collaborations because she's just an amazing creator on the internet. And I guarantee you every time – 
her content comes across your feed, you will either have a smile or reflect um, in some way like I have. And I've just mm. loved watching you over the years and uh, also seeing your your little kids grow up too is so, so cute. So thank you so, so much for coming on. Aww. And yeah, I'm just so grateful. Thank Thanks. you. Yeah.